Welcome back to Humans of Purpose. I'm your host, Mike Davis, and each week I bring you conversations with local purpose-driven leaders. Leaders creating social impact through their work and inspiring positive social change across a wide variety of sectors. Sit back, tune in, and enjoy the next 40 minutes guaranteed to inspire you with our signature blend of wisdom, experience, and banter. Learn more at humansofpurpose.com. What I really loved is helping Libby with her fitness business. As I mentioned, a gym that we used to own. I loved that business. I loved helping her in that business. And I love Chief because it's a almost a one-to-one relationship. You know, I, I get blown away and it's just, it still just blows my mind and, and makes me feel good inside to get emails from people saying, you know, this has really changed things for me. I've had a lot of health issues. This is anything I can stack on. You know, I got recommended this product as part of you know, pre-bariatric bypass surgery. Welcome back to another action-packed episode of Humans of Purpose. First off, a big thanks to our major sponsor, Neon Treehouse, for all their wonderful social media support. This week on the podcast, I'm thrilled to bring you my conversation with Justin Babay. Justin is the co-founder and chief operating officer at Chief Nutrition. Chief produces a healthy, sustainable, and convenient range of snacks that will help you live a chief life. The team at Chief are committed to creating a healthier Australia and one that better supports regenerative farming and more sustainable farming practices become the norm, not only in Australia, but around the world. Chief are also supporters of Thankful for Farmers, and Justin is also an owner of Nurture 360. I was an early lover of Chief products, ditching ultra-processed beef jerky options for their locally produced, grass-fed, and far healthier and more convenient beef bars. I highly recommend the chili beef bars, which I keep just about everywhere, for a convenient and healthy protein infusion. I even took a stash of these camping and converted a whole bunch of serious biltong lovers recently. I love what they do so much that I brought Chief on board as a brand partner, and you can get 10% discount on any of their products using our exclusive Humans of Purpose discount code 10HOP. That's 10HOP at checkout. Justin and I recommend you try the starter pack and head to wearechief.com to get sorted. I'll pop a link to this in the show notes. If you're interested in showcasing your brand, organization, or goods and services, we have a range of promotional and sponsorship packages available and are now taking inquiries for next year. You can check these out in our show notes, and all you need to do is fill out our expression of interest form once you've had a look at the Links promo packages PDF, and we'll get back to you within a week. Also, a reminder that you can skip all the ads, get this episode and all others a few days early on your own premium dedicated podcast feed with access to full episode transcripts, my behind-the-scenes audio note, and a bunch of other perks for the price of a cup of coffee per month. Just become a gold member by hitting the link in our show notes or heading to humansofpurpose.supercast.com. Hope you enjoy my conversation with Justin as much as I did. Justin, thanks so much for joining me, mate. Where do we find you on this beautiful sunny day? I'm in our podcasting studio. <laughs> it's not our own. We're part of a we we um, are tenants of a uh, a co-working space that has pretty epic facilities. So, so I'm so give, I'll give them a plug. They're called they're called work at work at spaces in Alexandria. That's very cool. I think I'm supposed to be the one in the cool swanky studio, but as you can see behind <laughs> me, I'm in my son's playroom, come our front room. So. 
you know, it is what it is, and and we continue forward. But um, mate, I've been really looking forward to this conversation. I um, learned about Chief a couple of years ago, and um, just started to to buy up in bulk what I found to be the best alternative to, to beef jerky on the market, and such a good quality product and good for purpose product too. So before we get into my obsession and love of Chief, um, why don't we talk a little bit about your background, um, a bit of a serial entrepreneur uh, and your journey to becoming a co-founder at Chief. Yeah, thanks, Mike. I appreciate the the kind words. Um, I, I remember when we first spoke, it was all around the uh, the beef buzz. So it was... Uh... <laughs> it was uh it was nice to get that that feedback mate um look my my background uh geez, i'm getting pretty old now i'm almost 50 i'm 48 next year so um it's been a it's been a journey i i started well i'll take you back to uni so i did a bachelor of science at uni i did science because my uh careers council at school said well you did um four unit science at school and so maybe you should do science at uni and i thought okay that sounds like a good idea, not really knowing what that meant. Uh, it was a terrible idea, and I hated science. I hated it <laughs> with a passion. I think I ended up playing pool for the first two years of uni, and then um, I discovered psychology and a um, an amazing lecturer that I guess got me interested in learning again. And um, yeah, I I loved psych out of out of uni. I, I didn't pursue that. I got into IT sales uh, for a year, discovered that I didn't really love that either. Um, I got chatting with a mate who was in recruitment and uh, he offered me a job. So I went and joined I went and joined with uh, Aaron um, and then he went and started his own recruitment agency six months after that. And I'm like, well, I joined for you, so I'm coming with you. <laughs> you've, got, you've got no choice. <laughs> so Aaron, Aaron myself, and, and Reese, one of the other, I guess, uh, you could call us co-founders. Um, we grew that business to you know fifty odd people and um, a pretty significant business in Sydney, Melbourne, Singapore. And um, I ended up running that business as MD for a couple of years after we we sold that business basically in two thousand seven. So I ended up running that, and then uh, I was, I guess, along that journey, I discovered a real passion for. All things digital and tech, you know, we were recruiting for companies like Yahoo and Google and Facebook and and the like, and um, I just really wanted to get into that industry. So did a couple of tech startups, um, one called Job Advisor, which is like yeah, you, a lot of your listeners probably would have heard of Glassdoor before, yeah. um, an employer reviews website basically. So I did a Aussie version of that. Um Got an offer for that business a couple of years in, and, and took that, and we we spent every cent on our next project called Job Vibe, which was a uh, employee um, feedback system. So once rather than a once a year survey, you'd, we it was an app that would ask for feedback, pretty much, you know, every week or every day in some cases, and uh, you know raised a bunch of money for that. Like I said, reinvested every cent that we earned from the previous business into that. Um, it didn't really work out. Unfortunately, we we basically ran out of money, and um, we we managed to sell it. We the business is still around today. Uh, got bought by the winning group, and um, yeah, during that during that period, uh, as a little side hustle, um, my wife and my other co-founder Veronica and I had started this little food business called Chief. And uh, you know, after the um, after Job Vibe, I thought you know what there's there's something to this business and i really wanted to go after it in a big way so uh i convinced brock who's our ceo today um 
that he needed to turn his distribution, health food distribution business into a uh, health product business, and he agreed. So he merged uh, his distribution business with Chief and, um, you know, really wanted someone with some great food experience. He'd been a, um, one of the co-founders of a, of a supplement business called Newsest, which is in 20 odd, 20 odd countries around the world and a very successful business. So I really wanted someone with, with a track record to, to, uh, lead the way. And, um, yeah. So basically Brock and I were, were running. Uh, I guess a distribution business with a little bit of product for a couple of years. And then 2020, we went full time on, we managed to sell the distribution side of our business and went full time in chief just before COVID hit. So, um, you know, I can, I can tell you through, talk you, walk you through the journey from there. But fast forward to today, we're, uh, you know, we're, we're a much bigger business and, and kicking some big goals. So, oh, kicking that. a lot of goals. It's an incredible journey. journey. Before we get on to all things chief, what does the number 87.5 mean to you? <laughs> good good question so um okay well let's rewind the reason i ended up doing science at sydney uni was um i actually didn't get into my first choice which was business so there's a bit of a story behind that so uh when i was growing up my, my dad was a entrepreneur and um you know very successful very early on and he's right into self-help books and you know, you, you, you name it in self help. I've probably read it. Um, I think one of them was, uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill and, you know, that, that sort of, that sort of book. And, um, I remember one day mum came into me and you know, I'm the second of, of three boys and mum came into me and when I was studying for the HSC, well, not really studying. I was pretending to study. And she said, <laughs> Justin, you really, you really need to study harder. You know, your older brother, he studied really hard and, if you don't study, you're going to fail. And, uh, and I'm, you know, classic second child, very competitive with my older brother. So I thought, bugger you. I just want to beat Christian. I just want to beat my older brother. So Christian got 85.7. So I just switched the numbers around a bit and said, oh, well, I'm going to get 87.5. And because I was writing to these, you know, uh, think and grow rich type books, instead of studying harder, I just sat down in front of the mirror every night. I, I kid you not, literally every night. I must have been for six months and just in the mirror would say 87.5, 87.5, 87.5. <laughs> and, uh, and then I didn't really think any more of it. I just did that. And then when my marks came back, I got 87.45 and I thought, wow, I pretty much got 87.5. That's pretty crazy. But then it got a bit weirder. So it turns out my first choice of uni mark, uni, um, courses was bachelor of business at UTS. And the mark for that was 87.5, but I missed out by 0.05. I must have got one answer wrong in some exam somewhere that made all the difference. And um, like I said, I ended up doing a Bachelor of Science at Sydney Uni. But it, it, it freaks me out when I think about it because um, it's kind of like I got everything I asked for without quite getting what I wanted so that I could get what I what I needed. Yeah. So I never would have met my wife. I probably wouldn't have certainly my the kids that I have today. Chief wouldn't yep. exist. It'd be a, a very different life path. It's an amazing story. It's it's almost like um manifestation that kind of succeeded and failed, but still led you in the right, <laughs> yeah, right. life course direction. Yeah. So, so I don't know what to take out of that. I don't know. You know, I try not to get too deep into it, but um, you know, I think there's something to focusing your mind on something. But uh, yeah, it was a it was a spooky experience. 
Yeah, wow. Yeah, phenomenal. And so <laughs> with Chief, I mean, what was the starting concept? Was there a particular problem you were trying to solve or what what drove you to that? Because obviously being in quite a different industry in sort of HR, jobs, tech and recruitment, um, what, what what was the big picture kind of problem or um, or solution you were hoping for? Yeah, so it wasn't really my idea. Um, uh, Veronica, who's one of our co-founders, as I mentioned, um, is a nutritionist and exercise physiologist. She was working uh, for my wife, Libby. At our, we had a, uh, some, a gym called the Goja at the time, like a group training gym, like a 45 sort of, sort of thing. And, um, uh, you know, Veronica and, and Libs were close colleagues and mates and would talk all the time about, you know, customers are asking us this, what are we, you know, what are we, what can we suggest? And I guess they were, you know, doing health consulting and those sorts of things. And one of the things that came up consistently was one of the questions that came up consistently was what do we snack on? And Libs and V would always be saying, well, you know, chop up some carrot or chop up some apples because there's nothing in a packet that is really good for you. And, um, you know, that was kind of ticking away at the back of my head. You know, there's nothing in a packet that's actually good for you <laughs> despite yep. the health aisle, right? And then Veronica went and did, uh, she's doing the Kokoda Trail one year and uh, she was asking, you know, you've got to take your own food in and she was asking around for recommendations and people started talking about jerky and biltong and, um, you know, a lot of these sort of products have, have lots of nasty preservatives and those sorts of things. And, um, you know, long story short, basically she came back from that and said, wouldn't it be great if we could do jerky in a bar, like a protein bar, but we, you know, without all the nasty preservatives, and and um, we started looking around, and we saw some very few examples of that type of product around the world, and we thought, let's let's just create our own. So, um, found a food scientist on LinkedIn, as you do, and um, <laughs> paid, paid him a bit of money to go and go and create this crazy concept. We had a, a meat in a bar, and um, he came back and had created. A pretty amazing product found a manufacturer for us and we were we were off and running you know i thought that geez this is the easiest business i've ever done in my entire life <laughs> little, little did i know that that was the only time it was ever going to be easy um you know <laughs> making making food products is hard making food products made from meat is even harder um and um you know it's been uh it's been a bit of a journey but that's how it was born i think you now really the the summary of it is that when you look at that uh snack aisle Libs and V were right. Like there is very few, there are very, very few products that aren't either uh, ultra processed food with lots of artificial ingredients or really high in sugar. And mm. solving both of those problems is what we've done. And the, to the best of our knowledge, the only way you can solve it is to, well, the two ways to solve it are one, make it, make a product with beef and avoid all of the nasty crap, um, you know, dried beef basically. Um, or we've now got a nut butter based product um that uh you know there's plenty of bars made from nuts but the way that most products will stick those most brands will stick those nuts together is using syrups like honey or whatever that pushes the sugar content right up so uh you know we've figured out a way to make nut butter into a solid bar with our with our collagen bars so yeah, yeah that was very that was very tasty was as well very very tasty i just got the yeah, sample college, collagen pack and they uh yeah. my skin my i'm told my skin looks better uh <laughs> and, and feeling full as well 
as I say to everyone, I'm actually 75 years old and uh, <laughs> I just eat a lot of collagen bars. <laughs> Our products keep us young. Um, yeah, no, no, no. It is that case of um, it's an interesting um, explanation around the sort of supermarket shelves and aisles and just trying to find healthy snack food. And I think um, I wish I'd spoken to you earlier because I've tried so many times to make that walk down that aisle and just pick, okay, I've just done some exercise or I'm going to be between meetings. Uh, what should I eat? And like, I ended up at one stage just defaulting to apples because I just thought yeah. like that this this is the least unpackaged bad thing. Mm-hmm. But then yep. if you want to have something that's a snack and it's in a packet, then we sort of thought the next least worst thing might be jerky. But then mm. you get to the content of what's in the jerky and you read the back and it's like, oh, God, what am I doing? It's just everything's bad. Yeah, you'll see uh, preservative 250, 251. Like these are all, uh, according to some studies, carcinogenic. You get hydrolyzed corn protein, which is basically a precursor to MSG, which a lot of people are trying to avoid. But the biggest one that I found so surprising is that a lot of brands are quite high in sugar. Mm. Now, I've seen I've seen a lot of brands above twenty percent sugar. Well, if you got yep. if you got a steak at a restaurant and you know twenty percent of it was sugar, you'd be pretty upset about it. So oh, devastated. So uh, you know, there's it's there's yeah we, we we talk about our customers as being pack flippers, and we're really Try and encourage everyone to become a pack flipper. And what I mean by that, obviously, is you know, pick it, pick the product up and look at the back of the packet, check the ingredients, check check the nutrition panel because um, yeah, the front of the pack doesn't always tell the full story. Well, usually doesn't tell the full story. So you're obviously very committed and passionate about nutrition, and that that's sort of a big reason why Chief was created. And I, I particularly like that story uh, from Veronica about the Kokoda Trail because, you know, my best use case, and I think I reached out to you after this hike for my mate's 40th birthday earlier in the mm. year, it's just a bunch of us schleppers trying to climb big mountains with uh, very poor nutritional options. And that's when it really dawned on me that I had the best snack food in the group which were just a couple of chief bars i brought mm. eight chief bars for a two-day hike it was probably a bit excessive but i ended up <laughs> handing a couple of them out uh the chili yeah. beef bars and mm. um people were just blown away by it because i think the idea of having simple healthy grass-fed beef in a bar with very little else uh that's quite easy to eat because the other thing with jerky is um you got to dip your hand in a pack uh it's it's a bit messy yep. with a bar um you know it's not appealing as some people might feel about a beef bar once you get used to it it's just it's just so convenient you know yeah it splits a crowd i'll tell you that because the text is a bit different <laughs> you know it's like yeah yeah um yeah, people either love them or, or hate them. And if they love them, they kind of fall into your category, Mike. They, they tend to eat a lot of them and uh, we get a lot of subscribers. It's our top-selling product by by a long way. But, um, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, one of the other interesting things about it is that our demographic is 50-50 guys and girls, and which is very different mm. from jerky, which is normally 80%, 90% male-dominated. Yep. And I think, you know, if, if Libby's a prime example of it, I think, because, as you say, she, she doesn't like touching meat to cook it. She doesn't like putting her hand in a bag of biltong we do a biltong as well she doesn't like you know touching it she loves it in a bar format and um mm. yeah i think it's just for some reason i mean certainly the way that i use it and the way that we position it is it's a bit of a different use case i think jerky is more of a snack and the bars more of a meal you know kind of how you'd use a sausage roll or a meat pie obviously much healthier but uh yeah it's been an interesting it's been an interesting journey watching how people react to it that's for sure why do you think that meat tends to get such a bad rap? I mean, we believe it to be a superfood and it can be good for the planet. So where, why uh, why is everyone sort of trying to get us to veer away from meat these days, both as a snack yeah. and a primary food? 
Yeah, there's, I'm, I'm sure there's no one simple answer, but I think one of the key, some of the key themes would be um, when we first started advertising beef bars on Facebook in maybe 2016, 2017, we used to get a lot of pushback. You know, obviously um, those that follow a, a vegan diet or, or ethos um, uh, have some issues with it. Um, you know, I think if you were to summarise those issues, the the first one, uh, you know, I guess there's an ethical question uh, whether we should be eating meat, um, you know, killing sentient beings, and I think um, you know, we could delve into that. The 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 second one is environmental, and the third is health. So, I think a lot of the pushback these days is is environmental, and I think you know a lot of it is is fair. You know, I think um, you know the beef industry uh, can be you know, can be improved. But I think the missing piece from that conversation is that all forms of agriculture can be, uh, have less impact on, on the earth. And I think it's, it's, uh, you know, basically what happened is when we started getting this pushback, we went really deep into trying to understand what, what are the facts around this? You know, there's, there's emotional driven arguments, there's ideologically driven arguments, and there's, um, you know, it's easy to get confused. And I think when we, when we delved deep, we were, we were really shocked. That what you know these um, talking points, these headlines, these juicy headlines, can often be very, very misleading in terms of what are the, what are the facts, what what are the you know, what's happening on the ground. And we went and met with a lot of farmers and spoke to a lot of people. And al- along the way, we discovered um, you know different forms of farming, particularly regenerative agriculture. Um, you know, and I guess the the shorthand version of regenerative agriculture is. Um, a, a method of agriculture, whether it's grazing cattle or sheep or um, uh, you know plant agriculture, uh, it's it's why, uh, a method of farming that aims to regenerate and improve the quality of the the soil in particular and the and the land by extension. So, um, you know, the um, if we look at plant agriculture, for example, a lot of the issues in um, you know, growing crops are uh, the use of uh, petrochemical-based fertilisers like um, uh, that, that are very high in nitrogen. And, you know, basically the, the, the best analogy I can think of in terms of of that style of farming is it's kind of like um, it's kind of like being addicted to a drug. You know, the first time you have the drug, you get a great high and then the next time a little bit less and a little bit less and a little bit less. And before you know it, you're addicted to this drug. You can't survive without this mm. drug. And and the chemical based, but you know the, the high nitrogen fertilizers are, are, are similar to that. You know, you you a lot of them are very degrading to the soil because they're degrading to the soil. What that means is that they're reducing the micro the microbiome um, activity of the soil. Um, the uh, that reduces the carbon content of the soil, so that's releasing a lot of carbon into the atmosphere. Um, and uh, you know, it's it's really not. Basically, what it leads to over time is desertification of that land. And what we're seeing, we're starting to see now is the quality of our food. Now, this links back to us as a food company because the quality of our food is degrading. The reason the quality of our food is degrading is the quality of the soil is degrading. And what that means is that the nutrient uptake of the food is getting lower and lower and lower. Um, I haven't fact checked this, but I, I did see a stat the other day that an orange that you would eat to, that you, would, you can eat today is six times less, six times lower in nutrients than an orange mm. you'd eat a hundred years ago. So just, you know, whether that's completely accurate or not, I think there's, um, 
and it's definitely trending that way. So you know, there's lots of concerns in terms of environment. Um, and, and you know, the summary of that is that, you know, yes, there are certain forms of, of beef agriculture, there's certain forms of any type of agriculture that are damaging to the land, but there are, there are types of agriculture like regenerative agriculture that are actually very uh, positive for the land and, um, you know, that really is something that we we focused on in a big way. And then to go back to the third point around health, you know, I think um, uh, the tide has shifted, I think, quite a lot there. You know, there was a lot of marketing from uh, fake meat companies basically saying they're much healthier than meat. And, of course, as any marketer would do, they would, you know, um, try and highlight the benefits of their product and perhaps downplay the benefits of, of competing products. Um, and we've seen now with a lot of those fake meat products that it turns out actually they're, they're really just ultra processed food in another form and it's kind of like margarine all over again you know i'm, I'm sure you, you probably remember i'd certainly do growing up on margarine yeah because margarine was meant to be heart healthy and healthier than butter and you know, i think you know the, the wisdom is starting to flip back to butter being the way and i think we've seen a similar sort of evolution with fake meats and so i think you know, people are recognizing that one of the most nutrient de- dense foods on the planet can't possibly be bad for you like anything you can have too much of it sure you know you can have too much water and drown but um uh yeah i think there's i think there's um a bit of a a swing back towards the health side of things for for beef so really you know kind of fast forwarding to today i think there's a there's still a lot of negativity around beef particularly and i think it's become very politicized and one of the key challenges i think around that is that you know, you speak to a lot of farmers and they'll, they'll talk about carbon tunnel vision. You know, you know, the, the, the atmosphere is very complex. You know, we can't really forecast next week's weather with any sort of accuracy. So how we think we've got an understanding, a complete understanding of what's impacting our, 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 um, environment and our atmosphere and, uh, all of the factors that control, you know, global warming, I think is, um, I think is pretty arrogant for us to assume that and then to, then to break you know, essentially focus all of the impact down to carbon, which is, you know, uh, a very small percentage of, of our, um, of our, uh, atmosphere. I think it's 0.3%. Excuse me if I'm wrong. It's very, it's a very small amount. And then the human c- component of that is 3%. So, you know, I think, I think a lot of it, a lot of it is, uh, People trying to simplify a message to get cut through. I believe in doing things in a more sustainable way. Clearly, I mean that's what we stand for as a, as a company. But um, you know, I think I like with with many things of this nature, you can tend to, the message can the, the the real solutions can tend to get lost as part of the argument. And um, you know, particularly with beef, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you a few examples just just to speak specifically. So um, you know, with with everyone complains about beef for, for methane well methane is is part of a the the natural a natural cycle so basically cows will eat carbon plants they'll convert it into ch4 in their um in their gut essentially um you know they'll burp that out into the atmosphere and that creates methane in the atmosphere and over um let's say 10 years that's broken down into um carbon dioxide and h2o mixes with oxygen to create carbon dioxide and h2o carbon dioxide is um absorbed by the plant the carbon creates more um plant 
and the oxygen is released that we breathe. It's a natural cycle. You know, carbon is cycling through the atmosphere uh, as it has done, you know, for, for millions of years. And that's very different from um, ancient carbon that you would dig up and reintroduce into the atmosphere. Um, so, you know, I think there's there's a lot of detail there that, that tends to get missed as part of the part of the argument. Another one is, you know, there's a lot of uh, cherry picking of data. So, for example, you know, beef gets attacked for water usage. So, 97% of the water usage attributed to grass-fed beef is um, rainwater that will fall regardless. They count water that that falls on the entire area that the beef that the cattle graze on. Um, cattle graze on a particularly in Australia, in, in a very wide area because uh, usually you'll graze cattle where it's too steep, too rocky, too dry, too remote uh, to grow crops. And so, you know, just to kind of give you some stats, 60%, around about 60% of Australia is suitable for grazing. Around about 6% of Australia is suitable for growing crops. And that's why 56% of Australia is used for grazing and 4% of Australia is used for growing crops. Like, there's some reasons behind this, and I think um, you know farmers get it because they, you know, they're not they're not silly. They're very smart people. They mm. they rely on making good decisions about how to use their land, and I think you know us city slickers tend to jump on the the headline stats of water usage or land usage and and extrapolate out a whole bunch of assumptions that are that are actually not quite right and very misleading. So. Um, See, I've gone down a bit of a rabbit hole there, but no, that's, that's good. That's, I mean, that's that, a little that, bit about beef. That, that water statistic is quite uh, extremely misleading because I because I think you know we always talk about um, carbon uh, carbon emissions, but then also water usage is sort of key sustainability inputs. But if it's rainwater, well, different story. Yeah. Well, and then that's you know that's uh, there's different types of water. So there's um, Excuse me if I get these wrong, but I believe it's green water, which is basically rainwater. There's blue water, which is lakes and streams and um, underground water sources. Well, that's that's the other three percent. And then there's grey water, which is, and again, I hope I've got that term right, which is basically water that is polluted. Yep. Well, it's it's next to nothing. It's certainly under one percent for grass-fed beef. The, the the water usage, when you think of it in grey water terms, is very very small. So, and of course, cows aren't huge water sacks. They will drink that water and they'll urinate it back into the land they add fertilizer along the way to help plants grow i mean there's uh yeah i think there's a lot missed by um like i said reductionist thinking you talk about uh well-sourced meat being very healthy and very important as well as good forms of grazing that are that good for the planet mm. just just expand on that a little bit and why you chose to go grass-fed and your, your beliefs about why that might be a better option than grain-fed beef for your products yeah look there, there are it's not a meaningful difference, but grass-fed beef is healthier on some key metrics. So um, I can dive into those if you like. I think the the bigger the bigger reason for us is that it doesn't make a lot of sense to grow crops to feed animals uh, to feed humans. So and now th- again, there's detail in that growing crops to feed animals. So. The statistics on it are, and this is a global statistic, I don't have stats for Australia, but globally 87% of what the grain that cows eat is not fit for human consumption. That includes grass. Sorry, I should say plant matter that that cows eat. That includes grass. But uh, And in Australia, 97% of all cows, are, you know, they're, whether they're grain-fed or not, is pasture. 
But um, uh, a lot of what cows eat is uh, the byproduct of plant agriculture. So it might be, you know, the stalks or husks of um, you know, canola farming, for example, that will often go to, to cow feed. So again, there's de- the devil is in the detail when it, when it comes to that. But generally speaking, we don't really believe in growing crops to feed to, to animals. The other thing that we don't really believe in is that um, certainly from an animal welfare perspective and, you know, we, we passionately believe that healthy animals creates healthy food. It's like healthy soil creates healthy plants and healthy plants is healthy food. So um, as we've already already touched on so you know it doesn't make a lot of sense in our view that um you know the grain-fed cows in australia like i said they spend most of their lives on pasture but the last three to six months of their life is intensive feedlots basically and with a fed a lot of grain to fatten them up um you know there's an argument that that feeds more people and you know there's there's certainly some weight to that argument but um it's not what we what we choose and um you know we're really trying to fly the flag for farmers that are doing things in the most sustainable way possible, and and you know we're we're really um, at the moment focused very heavily on on promoting regenerative agriculture. Yeah, nice. So when you think about your own sustainability practices and the impact that you hope to see, um, what do you? How do you track that? What are you doing? And and, and kind yeah. of what's your philosophy around that? Yeah, look. First off, we're not perfect. We we we're very well aware that we're of that. Um, we we've. Um, engaged a third party to help us really understand our environmental footprint um interestingly when they did the full life cycle analysis it wasn't um beef it wasn't packaging it wasn't any of the things we assumed it was actually uh cranberries in our beef bars with a with the biggest impact because of the water usage of cranberries so basically they flood fields to for the cranberries to float and that's how they collect them in my basic understanding that's probably a city slickers view of it i've never seen it in practice, but um, uh, we're we're moving away from cranberries to currants, for example, in our beef bars, and so you know that's basically the, as part of that life cycle analysis, we've got a whole long list of things in in priority order, and we're working our way through that list. Um, look, packaging is on there. Uh, we would like to have more sustainable packaging. We use um, you know, for the beef bars, you would have noticed it's a foil wrapper with a very thin, essentially plastic outer on it. Um, and uh you know it's not perfect so it's far from it we'd like to improve that the challenge with beef products particularly is that you need a really solid barrier because uh the reason we don't use or we we don't need to use preservatives is because we can keep those bars in an oxygen free environment so if even one molecule of oxygen can get in that enables um essentially mold to grow like the mold on cheese um which we which we don't want doesn't taste particularly good um doesn't look particularly good mm-hmm. uh so we need we need a really strong barrier in our packaging and so the um a lot of the you know compostable and um more sustainable packaging options aren't quite suitable for us yet but it's something that we're constantly testing and we're looking at so yeah we look at we look at the complete end to end of our supply chain in in terms of our own impact um you know where where we think as a food brand, we can have the biggest impact is actually education. So one of the things that, you know, speaking with and meeting with a lot of farmers, uh, they've all got great stories. They're not marketers. They don't, and they're not, it doesn't make sense for them to go and educate all of Australia or the, the globe about their farm because they're usually selling in a local area. And, um, you know, really our, our opportunity as a brand, because we we have packaged products that can be sold Australia wide, we're now selling into New Zealand and the Middle East and other other markets like Singapore, Hong Kong, 
um, we uh, we have a much broader audience, a much bigger audience, and in the way that we advertise, we're an education cell basically. You know, if you've seen our ads, you'll you'll see that a lot of it is education, particularly around health. Um, we see that as our part to play in building awareness of regenerative farming um, and helping to educate consumers on how things can be done in, in a better way. And so, um, yeah, I think that's I think that's the the thing that we're really focused on. And obviously, we want to, you know. Uh, eat our own dog food, so to speak. That's probably a terrible analogy for a food company, but we want to make sure that we're we want to make sure that we're doing things the best way possible ourselves. And it's you know one of the things we've learned along this process is that you know what what doesn't work is pointing at everyone else and going that's that's terrible, that's terrible, that's terrible. It's it's you know it's uh, it's the old you know if you're pointing at someone else, you've got three fingers pointing back at you. We we we, we really do need to be focused on what we ourselves can do and i i think you know one of the things we're really trying to do is bring a lot of positivity to, to the positivity to the conversation and talk about what farmers are doing and really that are really good and what we can replicate and what we can scale and so um you know i think i think they're the ways that we can have the biggest impact as a brand yeah terrific and, and it sounds like you're really taking great responsibility and accountability for that which is exciting to see in that sort of space where you know a lot of our actors in the space just don't really have that insight so tremendous work Thanks. now let's take us to what i want to call justin's business learning corner because you <laughs> you propose some of these great little ideas here and i, I think you might have to remind me on some <laughs> yeah i will I'll, I'll, I'll give you the prompt on some but I, you said something quite interesting in sort of the the show form the, the onboarding form is one of your comments is about it's not about finding your passion it's about finding what you can become passionate about so what does that mean for you? Because I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I I have my own thoughts of what that might mean for you, and I think it's it's a very um, important comment. But keen to get you to unpack that a little bit for us. I, I have to give credit where credit's due. It's not I didn't come up with that. I, I used to be a recruiter, as I mentioned. So I've interviewed a lot of people, and invariably interviewing people turns into career advice and feedback. And by the way, recruitment was probably one of the best things I've ever did because I just didn't realize how many different types of jobs and industries and opportunities there are out there um i wish i'd known that when i was trying to decide what degree to do but but anyway one of one of my mates was uh asking for some career advice and um i said to him what are you passionate about and he said no jv it's that's the wrong question it's what can i be passionate about and it just stuck with me i'm like that is so true because i think a, a lot of a lot of my journey is, is like try, i was trying to discover what what could i really sink my teeth into and and probably doing a lot of different things over the last, I don't know, twenty odd years, has been part of trying to discover, you know, what what I'm passionate about. And um, it did give me some answers. That approach did give me some some answers. I, I think, you know, the experience in tech and and recruitment probably led me to a consumer business because I, I figured out pretty quickly, you know, particularly in job advisor and job buyer, but I didn't really love selling to businesses trying to solve a business's problem it was quite impersonal what i really loved is helping libby with her fitness business as i mentioned a gym that we used to own i loved that business i loved helping her in that business and i love chief because it's a almost a one-to-one -one relationship you know i i get blown away and it's just, it still just blows my mind and, and makes me feel good inside to get emails from people saying 
you know, this has really changed things for me. I've had a lot of health issues. This is anything I can snack on. You know, I got recommended this product as part of you know pre-bariatric bypass surgery, and this is random things. And so it's that's really gratifying. And um, so I definitely discovered in my search for my passion that I'm definitely more passionate about working with people than businesses. But yeah, I, th- I thought that was really sound advice. What can you be passionate about? And um, you know, I I the reason I got into one of the reasons I think, you know, looking back, it's always review measured rear view mirror, this stuff becomes clear. I was really keen to do something consumer. I was really keen to do something with with my wife Libby. You know, because um certainly before kids, we don't as much now. Mm-hmm. Um we would you know, our our dinner table conversations would all be about business and stuff we we're doing together and business that we were trying to grow together and um you know, in the early days, we we're doing very separate and different businesses, and the closer that they got, the more fun it became. And so that was some that was another learning. But I'd always really been interested in the health side of things, and you know, she's she's big into health as a trainer, and you know, she was um, she did a season as a trainer on The Biggest Loser. So she's you know she's done some great work on telly, and uh, she's an author and, and speaker and and those sorts of things. And I'd always wanted, you know, I guess by osmosis, I'd, I'd become a lot more interested in that. But um, yeah, I think the answer in retrospect now is, I I I know that I can be much more passionate about consumer stuff where I'm impacting people. Um, I know that I enjoy doing, you know, working with uh, my wife Libby and other people that I really um, love and respect. And uh, yeah, I, I I think I can be very passionate about health, and it's something, you know, I think I've discovered along the way I can be very passionate about, you know, farming and regenerative agriculture and those sorts of things, and uh i think it's a really good frame to you know if if you're still on a journey like i was and perhaps in some way still am trying to figure out what you really want to sink your teeth into um rather than you know probably one of the biggest mistakes i've made is trying to you know if if you if you're not quite sure what's going what you can really be passionate about you're probably trying lots of different things at once and then trying lots of different things at once you're probably not becoming amazing at any one thing so I think I've landed on that thing now and I, and the results are starting to show for me personally. And um, so, yeah, maybe that's a useful framework to to think of uh, your own journey in. Yeah, I think it's really useful because I, th- I think there's this, been this big debate, I think, through not just recruitment but life, work and career decisions around, you know, should you just follow your passion? And, you know, that, that was like a big thing, I think, a few years ago and still pops up now. Or should you focus more on your purpose, which might be sort of like your, your deeper calling and that kind of mm. thing, or should, should it be both? And I think mm. – um, People are, are fairly confused. Like, I'm quite passionate about the English Premier League, but I don't think they're going to give me a job. Um, so I should probably just watch that on the weekend and, <laughs> and you know, do something else. But then, you know, there are also things that are passions that can become part of your your work, but it shouldn't yeah. always be that way. So I think yeah. it's like this really interesting thing of um, what do you love, what can you do, and what, what are you good at, and, and yeah. what can make you money, but also – you know, being open-minded, I think, um, sort of st- stood out to me from what you said as well. Like you had to um, not try and do everything at once, but keep an open mind about what might you become really attracted to. Is it mm. something to do next? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, look, your your audience is probably a lot further along in their career, but I, 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 for whatever reason, a lot of my friends there who have got older kids, their older kids will, will chat to me and ask for advice and um what I always say to them that I wish someone had said to me, you know, that career counselor that said, go and do, 
science because she did four units science. I just wish he'd ask me, what do you do for fun? Like, what do you, what doesn't feel like work that could mm. you could get paid for? You know, and I used to I used to love designing, like drawing stuff and designing stuff. And I think if someone had asked me, I'm glad they didn't because I wouldn't be where I am today. As I, <laughs> you know, as I as I mentioned, in terms of my wife and my kids and my life, and um, but uh, you know, I probably would have gone down a design path. You know, if I look at a lot of the stuff that I enjoy within context of cheap i love a lot of the marketing side of things i love the design aspect of marketing i've built our website i really love that side of things and so um yeah i think i, I don't know if that's useful for anyone but i, I think that's uh, another good way to frame the the question yeah that's the good and the, the other one that you second second point on uh, justin's business learning corner is uh focus yeah. on the journey not the destination and the obstacle is the way so i i, I have you read Ryan Holiday? Is that, is yeah, that, yeah, 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 yeah. So that's a stoic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take us through that. Yeah, look, I think um, it's something that we've been talking about as a team, probably off the back of reading that book. Um, I think I came on to him through Tim Ferriss, um, but uh, yeah, I think it's really true. You know, we've 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 had we've, like anyone, we've had a lot of challenges. I think uh, whenever I look back at those challenges, something good has always come of it. And, you know, I, I kind of think, you know, you could get a bit woo-woo with, with this sort of thought, but I think, you know, a non-woo-woo way to look at it is that, you know, if you're climbing Mount Everest, you know, it's going to seem like such a corny thing to say, but there's, there's lots of ups and downs, right? Like there's, you, you got to go, you got to go through the, you got to go through the hard stuff to get to the, the peak. And, um, yeah, you, you almost, have to be grateful for it. Well, it certainly helps with your energy and drive and focus and motivation to be grateful for the challenges as much as the the wins. And yeah. um, now there's a another guy that I've started listening to a lot of, Alex Hermosi. Um, he he he's a younger guy, he's very successful, and he spouts a lot of wisdom. And he was talking about this the other day that um, you know if you wanted to be uh, if you wanted for your kids for them to be uh, you know, tough and well-rounded. You don't want them to have it easy. You want them to go through challenges and find their way through those challenges and struggle through those challenges and come out the other side with the skills and the confidence. Um, you know, to be able to handle those challenges better the next time. And I think, uh, I think that's what I'm trying to say in terms of the obstacle is the way. So whenever, whenever we, whenever we hit a challenge in our business at the moment, where we're that's that's our mantra. It's like the, the obstacle is the way. So that's uh, that's something that I, I find really useful. Probably a little bit that's of mental great. gymnastics, but it's very no. Useful. I think stoicism <laughs> has a really strong place in, in startup scale up, and just that. Mm. I mean, the struggles of the entrepreneur. Um, if we didn't have things like stoicism, I just don't know how we'd get through some of the harder things. I mean, this yeah. wisdom from thousands of years ago. Um, that's very profound. I, I mean, I think. Ryan's written a lot of great books, but for me, the obstacle is the way, and the ego is the enemy. Are sort mm. of two really important ones yeah, about sort of. That. Yeah, it's it's quite good. I mean, I found that quite grounding. So it's just all about yeah. getting getting beyond yourself as sort of yeah. like one of one of your focuses in life. And uh, but the obstacle is the way is, is sort of profound for me because it's about embracing struggle and the challenges. Mm. Its own kind of uh, be, there's beauty in that, and mm. like like not to um. Not to take it too off base, but I mean, I'm often thinking about how can we build things into our days that 
that are really hard just because mm. they make you realize that you can do them and that's good for resilience. So, yep. you know, try and um, have a sauna and cold plunge um, every day or two um, yeah, nice. as a sort of practice. And, you know, I mean, look, having a sauna, it's it's not um, it's not like serving in the military, but it, it is, you know, for me, it's a, it's a it's part of the day where 40 minutes in 70 degree heat um, mm. is, not, is not easy. And then you've got... 10 to 20 minutes in you know freezing cold uh ice bucket in the in, in the back is also really hard but i think when you get finished with those things they're small little things that you do that sort of harden you up for the challenges that every day like throws that. throws at you and yeah, for I me like yeah yeah for me that's just sort of been like a way of like taking that principle and embodying it physically which has sort of been useful yeah yeah nice one you know i guess the other point there was uh the journey not the destination i think um Whenever I do kind of self-reflection of, I think I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe it's just me, but I, I kind of feel like I'm always thinking, oh well, when we get there, then I can relax a little bit, or then I can enjoy the, you know, or or then I can have whatever thing I've kind of you know delaying gratification for, and I think I think that's a bit of a mistake. I think you never get there, right? There's always yeah. the next hill to climb, and um. And uh, I just don't know if that's necessarily the most productive way to live. So I've been really trying to focus on, um, I don't know, you know, just en- enjoying enjoying the journey, it, for, including the ups and the downs, you know. So um, I can't remember who was uh, listening to who was saying this, but um, uh, Alan Watts, something he said that really stuck with me was um, uh, the point of music is not the end of the song. The point of music is to enjoy the music. <laughs> the point yep. of dancing is not the end of the dance. The point of dancing is to lose yourself in the dance, you know, and I think um, I've been trying to apply that to my life and personal life and business life and, um, you know, I probably because, you know, with kids, I, life seems to just be speeding up you know, like Izzy is now five and seems like yesterday she was born and uh, like you blink and you miss it, as everyone says. And and so, yeah, there's probably a little bit of, of that causing some self-reflection. But, um, I love I think, it. I, I think they're wise words. <laughs> no, I think I think um, we often find ourselves caught either in um, – thinking about the past or worrying about the future, right? Yeah. And so there's that famous expression, you know, anxiety is being stuck in the future and depression is being stuck in the past, but very, very rarely are we actually present enough. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, for me, a big thing around mindfulness is not a a meditation practice, but more like savouring the moment. Yeah. So like really, and I think having a a young son has really helped me with that. It's just like um, when I'm with him, just really practising just being with him. Yeah, um, yeah. and just just noticing what he's doing and you know little things and and that's helped me actually expand that to a whole bunch of other things that I do as well. Mm. Like you know when you listen to music, just listen to the music. When you run, yeah. just run. You know, yeah. like yeah, <laughs> like absolutely. Kind of well, when yeah. you listen to music, really listen. Like really, yeah. really listen. Has yeah. been uh, an interesting one for me. We had um, one of our ambassadors, James Carson, in in the um, we have a auditorium in this office space like i said it's a very nicely set up uh, co-working space uh and uh he did a like a breathing and mindfulness slash gratitude session and uh 
it's really funny. I like I'll, I'll be honest, uh, James. Apologies if you're listening to this. I went along, James, because it was you, and I wanted to support <laughs> you. I didn't really wasn't that interested in it. But afterwards, I felt I was in probably the best mood I reckon I've been in for five years. Wow. And I say five years because you know kids is hard. Yeah. <laughs> Young kids is hard. <laughs> uh, and it was just a moment to you know slow down, do some breathing, get in a good state, and then just be grateful. And you know, I was grateful for my kids, I was grateful for my wife, I was grateful for our business and and the opportunities that come from that. And um it just got me in a really good headspace. And at a practical level, it was a very productive headspace. And so yeah, there's definitely something to it, I think, um at a at a very practical business level. Um you know, we, I'm a business partner in a event in Fiji that we run every year called Nurture. Um, we have 150, 200 business owners go to Fiji, uh, for basically five days of, and we have great speakers and we, you know, in the morning and then we relax in the afternoon and network and that kind of stuff. And one of the, one of the speakers last year was a lady by the name of Holly Ransom. And, uh, she spoke about, um, uh, the old way of doing business was that it was a marathon. And the new way of doing business is that it's a sprint and a rest and that the the most effective people uh, are those that know how to, when they're resting, they rest. They're, they're recharging their batteries. And, um, and I think obviously there's a physical side of that with sleep and nutrition and exercise and those sorts of things, but there's certainly a huge mental component. Um, and I think that's, that's the, the critical piece there when it comes to business and, you know, achieving all the things that we want to achieve, we've got to be we've got to be on our game. Very well said. Hey, we're going to wrap up in a minute. Just to flag, um, amazing conversation, by the way, and love everything you're doing at Chief, and just thrilled to get your philosophy and business insights as well, which I wasn't expecting. Um, but you're going to be ra- uh, raising fairly soon with Equitize. Yes. So yeah, we're we're doing a second crowd raise. We um we've got a lot of support from existing investors, but we. Um, look, for, if for, maybe this is useful for those considering a, a, a crowdfund. Uh, the reason that we did it was that we wanted – it's a great marketing exercise and we we wanted uh, people that buy the product, love the product to be shareholders, you know, passionate customers, even more passionate because now they've got skin in the game. And what's the great outcome from the last time around was we've got close to 300 people that comment on our ads, our um, send us pictures of product in store. They always buy our product in, in store. They're much more brand loyal, obviously. Um, they tidy up our merchandising when they see us and woolies and those sorts of things. And it's it's been a really amazing experience. And so, um, yeah, we're keen to go again with Equitize as part of our, our current round. So so thanks for mentioning that. Yeah, fantastic. So I'll, I'll pop a link. This, this will go live um, when it does. And uh, when people listen to this, there'll be a link in the show notes with more information about that. If people want to try your superb product range, I think you were saying you recommend a new starter pack is a good option. Yeah, if you go to wearechief.com, um, there's a starter pack there which has one of most everything uh, in our range. Uh, you've got a discount code, don't you, Mike? You're one of our I do. It's it's ten hop. Uh, as a chief ambassador, I'll pop that in the show notes. I yeah. highly recommend the chili beef bars and the new collagen bar range. If you want to have, you can't see this skin, but um, Justin, what do you think? Am I glowing or you know? 
<laughs> Absolutely. Stop, stop. I, just I, don't know say, it's, I don't know if it's good lighting, but uh, you, you, <laughs> I should, yeah, 10 years than last time I saw you. I'm never going to go fishing for compliments like that again. That was unprofessional on a podcast, but um, <laughs> wonderful to be with you. How can people connect with you and learn more about your work if they may do so also? Uh, yeah, sure. So for Chief, look, probably the easiest is Instagram, um, chief.nutrition. Uh you can look me up on LinkedIn, Justin Babet, B-A-B-E-T. I'd love to hear from you. Always happy to share ideas and help if I can. And um, yeah, love to hear from people. Fantastic, mate. Thanks so much for being with us. Um, hang around and we'll have a little debrief. Thanks, Mike. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit the subscribe button in your podcast player and why not share it with a friend or two? If you want more from your Humans of Purpose experience, become a Humans of Purpose member today through our new platform, Supercast. All you need to do is hit the link in our show notes. If you have a message to share with our audience about your brand, products, or services, we have a wide variety of paid promotional packages available. Please get in touch by hitting the link in our show notes.